Good morning to each one. Greetings in Jesus' name this morning. Something that has been on my mind the last little bit as we deal with <clears throat> issues at school, as we deal with issues in church, and even in issues in our home and uh, maybe even a broader sense, the nation. One of the things that has just been kind of ringing in my mind is compassionate leadership. And so as I share this morning, I share as one that uh, needs this in my life. Compassionate leadership. <clears throat> Does that mean that with compassion that there's weakness? Not necessarily. But with compassion there is there is a requirement or a need for us as men and even women, some in leadership roles, whether it's in Sunday school, in the home, or even the classroom. Sometimes there is a need for compassion, and sometimes that's hard to come by. Because we feel like sometimes, well, they need judgment instead of compassion. And sometimes we face that in the classroom. And we think that we need to administer judgment or justice to take care of the issue. <clears throat> I want you to turn with me, if you will. We're going to look at a couple of examples in Scripture of leadership. And the first one I want to look at is Abraham. So Genesis chapter 12. And I marvel at this man as I read about him time and time again, as I look at the example that he set as someone called of God, someone that was the leader of his home, someone that was called to represent God and his children. I just marvel again. Abraham was a true leader in a sense that he led by example. He led in obedience. He led in humility. And he led in selflessness. And as we look at this uh, part of this account of Abram's life, I want us to try to glean some thoughts from how Abraham, Abram led. In Genesis chapter 12, starting at verse 1, it says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house unto the land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. And so what did Abram do? He responded in leadership. He responded to God in obedience. And it says, So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarah his wife, 
and Lot, his brother's son, and their so- all their substance that they had gathered, and the soul that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan. Into the land of Canaan they came. And we see in the New Testament, in the chapter, the faith chapter of chapter 11, it says, By faith Abram, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out, not knowing whether he went. God called, Abram responded, and with that response, he took a multitude with him. He took his wife, he took his nephew, he took all of his inheritance and his servants and his herdmen. And it says in chapter 13, I want you to turn there, Genesis chapter 13. It says, And Abram went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had and lot with him, into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even unto Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning. between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. He had gone into Egypt because of some tough times. And then he left Egypt and went back unto this place between Bethel and Hai. And it says he went to that place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And he did business with God first. It says, And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. He was taking care of that proper leadership of leading his family in worship. And all those that were with him, putting God first, but leading his family. Verse 5, And Lot also went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents. And the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And it looks like here that there was a lot of cattle, a lot of animals, there were a lot of herdmen. And there was some ongoing strife in some of this grazing land. <clears throat> but Abram was not just idly sitting by waiting for things to erupt. But he was proactive. He was watchful. And it says here, And Abram said unto Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. And I want us to look at that. Abram not only led his family to a place where they knew not, but he also led them in worship. But along with that leading in worship, he was aware and watching for things that 
could come up that could cause trouble. And when he saw this trouble arise, it says he did something about it. He was proactive. He didn't wait till the walls came tumbling down. But he said, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. In other words, I care about you. I care about our substance, and I care about our families. And so let's deal with this issue before it gets way out of control. Verse 9. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. If thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. That is pretty noble. Because this land that they had gone into, God had promised to Abram. And all of this land that God had shown him, he said, this will be for you, for your seed, and you will be blessed, and you will bless all in the years to come. But there was strife that arose, and Abram was proactive. And he said to Lot, you take the right, I'll take the left. You take the left, I'll take the right. You choose. And it says in verse 10, And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan. Now don't you think that Lot and Abram had seen all of this land before? Absolutely. There's no question in my mind that they had seen all this land before. But it put a new twist on it when Abram said to Lot, you take this, I'll take that. You take that, I'll take this. And suddenly, Lot lifted up his eyes. And it says, he beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou camest unto Zoar. Lot looked at that beautiful plain. He looked at that well-watered land, and it looked as if it was the garden of Eden. And it says, Then Lot chose him. All the plain of the Jordan, all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the city of the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. Abram saw something brewing. He saw that there was strife between his herdsmen and Lot's herdsmen, and his response was, look, look at all this land. Let's not have any strife here, but you choose. Abram was the elder. Abram was the uncle. Lot was the nephew. He was the younger. There's no doubt in my mind that Abram kind of was that father figure for this young man. And there's no doubt in my mind that he probably helped him to increase his flocks and herds. But Abram, in his leadership, said, 
Most of all, I don't want strife. Most of all, I want there to be peace because we are brethren. And what did Abram do? He let the younger choose. He wasn't selfish and said, hey, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm the boss here. Let, I'm going to take the well-watered, well fertile plains down here, and you can have the hill country because you're younger. You can climb hills better than I can. No, he allowed him to choose first. And I think that says a lot about Abram's character. He was a man that had compassion. Abram could have said, no, I'm, I think it's too much danger down there near these evil cities. And I think you should stay up in the hill country. I'm more, I am more mature than you spiritually. I can handle it down there. But no, he didn't. He allowed this younger man, and I believe that Lot was a grown adult, well able to care for himself, his family, his herdmen, but it says that Lot looked to that well-watered plain, and he chose those cities, and it says that he pitched his tent toward Sodom. And it says that Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But verse 13 says, but the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Do you think they didn't know that? Do you think they had not encountered those men in that city, in those cities before? Do you think that life was kind of simple and not understanding? No. I believe that Lot was well aware. But there was something there that was attractive to him. And he pitched his tent toward Sodom. But what I see in Abram, what I see is selfless leadership. Someone that could have said, you know, I think I should have first choice here. I'm the older, but he didn't. Genesis chapter 13, verse 14. And the Lord said unto Abram, after that lot was separated from him, Lift up thine eyes, lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward, for all the land which thou seest. To thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it to thee. Then Abram removed his tent, and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord. What did he do? Abram gave Lot first choice. And Lot chose this well-watered land that would make him increasingly wealthy. But God's reward was with Abram, and he said, look, look at all that's from the north, south, east, and west, and all of it I will give to thy seed forever. 
And when Abram walked the length and the breadth as God told him and settled in the plain of Mamre, it says he did business with God first again. And he built there an altar unto the Lord. Compassionate, caring, careful, selfless leadership. Leadership that puts God first. Leadership that cares for others. Leadership that puts self last. And we sing that little song, J-O-Y, J-O-Y. This must surely mean Jesus first, yourself last, and others in between. Abram exemplified that in his life. He put God first. He put Lot. And then he took the things that were left over. And yet God, in his mercy, in his promise, recognized this. Compassionate, humble, selfless leadership. Now I want to turn to the New Testament. Looking at the perfect example, Jesus our Lord. In Mark chapter 6. In Mark chapter 6, this was soon after, soon after John the Baptist was beheaded. The disciples and Jesus went away together in Mark chapter 6 verse 31. Jesus said to his disciples, Come ye yourselves apart into a desert place, and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they had no leisure so as to eat. And they departed into a desert place by ship privately. And the people saw them departing, and many knew him, and ran afoot thither out of all the cities, and outwent them and came together unto him. And Jesus, when he came out, saw much people. And what did it say about Jesus here? Jesus had gone through some pretty tough times, and he called his disciples away with him to a desert place. And they jumped in a ship, and they went that way, and yet the people, knowing Jesus, knew where they were going. And they got there before him. And it says, and when he came out, he saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were as sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. Jesus even in his physical state, being tired and needing to get away, he saw these people needing direction. And he was willing to take the time and energy, even though he, I feel like he and his disciples were in need of some rest and relaxation. He was willing to take the time to minister Two, and it says, and he began to teach them many things. And I look at that, 
And I think about my life sometimes. And sometimes you just get weary. Sometimes you just get tired. Sometimes you just get peopled out. And during that time when we are weary, when we're worn, when we're peopled out, do we still have time for someone else that calls or comes? Do we still have time? Are we willing to give up some of our precious time or schedule to meet those needs, even if we have needs ourselves? Verse 35, it says, And when the day was now far spent, his disciples came unto him and said, This is a desert place, and now the time is far past. Send them away, that they may go into the country round about, and into the villages, and buy themselves bread, for they have nothing to eat. There is evidence here, as we read these words, that these disciples were tired of this too. There's evidence here that these disciples were like, listen, it's late. It's time to eat. And there's still all of these people. Send them away. Get them away from here. But Jesus looked on those people. And he didn't see a people that he wanted to get rid of but he saw a people that needed direction, that needed care, and it says he was moved with compassion towards them because they were sheep, not having a shepherd. Jesus not only saw a physical need in these people to feed them, but he saw a spiritual need in this people needing teaching, needing direction, sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus was willing to go that extra mile, to do that extra deed, to minister just a little bit more, even though he and his disciples were weary. And Jesus' response in verse 37 says, And he answered and said unto them, Give ye them eat to eat. And they say unto him, and I can see sarcasm written all through this statement. Jesus answered and said unto them, Give ye them eat. And they say unto him, Shall we go and buy two hundred pennyworth of bread to give them to eat? I was looking to see approximately the value of two hundred pennies worth of bread, and a day's wage was one denarius, and apparently that was for a farm laborer making minimum wage, one penny, and so this 200 pence was about seven months' wages, and making uh, a, a minimum wage today it was about $14,500 making minimum wage. And their question was, are you saying you want us to go spend seven months' worth of wages to feed these people that are here too late? Send them away. But Jesus didn't see them as a burden. 
He didn't see them as people needing to be sent away. He didn't see them as non-important. But he saw each soul there as someone that was in need of something. Whether it was food, whether it was spiritual food, whether it was some other type of healing or whatever, Jesus was willing to go that extra mile. And he saith unto them, verse 38, How many loaves have ye? Go and see. And when they knew, they say five and two fishes. And he commanded them to make all sit down by companies upon the grass, green grass, and they sat down in ranks by hundreds and by fifties. And when he had taken the five loaves and the two fishes, he looked up to heaven and blessed and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples to set, them, to set before them. And the two fishes were divided, and the two fishes divided he among them all. And they did all eat and were filled. We look at this account and we think about these barley cakes and a couple of fish. And we think about all of these people that are sat down on this hillside, this countryside, and we think, that's a cute story. But it wasn't just a story. It was the master creator providing for people that he cared for, that he had compassion for. And it says, and they all did eat and were filled. And they took up 12 baskets full of fragments and of the fishes. They had five little barley loaves. And they came back with 12 baskets of fragments and of the fishes. And they that did eat of the loaves were about 5,000 men and women and children on top of that. When Jesus saw this multitude of people, it says his heart was touched. And he was willing and had compassion on them. And he ministered to them. Physically, Spiritually, emotionally, he ministered to them. Even in his tired state and the disciples' tired state, he was willing to put forth the extra effort. And that displays the compassion that we see in the gospel. And then we look over in John chapter 8, another example of Jesus' leadership and compassion. In John chapter 8, in verse 2, it says, And early in the morning he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. And we know this account very clearly. It says, And the scribes and the Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses and the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what sayest thou? This they said, tempting him, 
that they might make they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he hurt them not. So when they continued asking him, he lifted up himself and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him first cast a stone at her. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone. And the woman, woman standing in the midst. And when Jesus had lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto her, Where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, And I believe that it was full of compassion and care for her because he knew that she was caught in the very act of something that she deserved death according to the law. And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Here's some instruction. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. And I am convinced that this woman left there with a pardon and a freedom upon her heart and her mind, her body, that she will never forget. Because she deserved death according to the law. And these men, these scribes and Pharisees, according to the law, had every right to stone her until death. But Jesus, in his compassion, looks further than just the offense. But he looks at the heart. He looks at the motive. He looks at other people. And those that brought this woman caught in the act, Jesus said, all right, if you're guilt-free, right here's a pile of stones. Pick up those stones if you are guilt-free. And that judgment began. But that judgment began in the hearts of those men. And one by one, that judgment, that convicting power, the compassion that Jesus shared with this woman sent those men packing. But I want to think about something else. Jesus did not even condemn those men. But he said, let your conscience be your guide. And so for us, when we likewise have this welling up of self-righteousness, of condemnation for other people, let's reflect back and think. Not that we shouldn't address sin. No, I'm not saying that. But let's reflect back and not pick up those stones because many of us are likewise guilty of some of those things 
were it but for the, the, the grace and shed blood of Jesus Christ, all of us would be doomed to eternity apart from Him. And yet because of the grace and mercy, because of Christ's compassion, we have, as our Sunday school lesson taught, we have been gifted the opportunity to be called the sons of God. This Holy Spirit went out to the Jews, but to the Gentiles, whom we are a part of. And Jesus himself, being God the Father, being like God the Father, it says in Philippians, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Creator, our Savior, the King of kings and Lord of lords, came as a servant, reaching out with compassion to the Jews and the Gentiles alike. He could have came and just wiped everything out, but he came and gave his life a ransom. And it says, Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Do you care about someone in your own family? We look at our children and we think, oh, if only. We look at those that are close to us and we think, oh, if only. We look at Jesus and he saw the multitude of all mankind that would ever live on this face of this earth. And he says, oh, if only. And Jesus, in his compassion, gave the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice. And that was he laid down his life. How much more should we, as brothers and sisters, lead out with compassion, with humility, with love? with selflessness. Hebrews 4, verse 14 says, See, <clears throat> excuse me, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but it says, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin, Christ provided a way for us. He knows the struggles we have and His compassion and His desire for each one of us is to embrace that faith and then live out that faith in leadership with compassion 
and humility and selflessness for the glory of God, for your encouragement and for mine, for the building up of the kingdom. May we all strive for that inheritance, for that land that is preserved and promised for us as we are faithful. God bless you.